We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. just think it's great to be able to come together and worship God and I really wouldn't want to be on the outside looking in I think there's something about being able to engage in times like that and times of worship don't you think so good three of us do anyway so that's good all right so we've been talking about battle cry uh which involves a commitment to achieve the great project that God has placed before us. Now, to achieve this, we need passion for a vision. And today I want to talk to you about this passion leading to this vision. Something like this. This letter is from Sebastian Lloyd, the French exchange student. Sebastian said, I tried new blackcurrant tango, didn't enjoy it as much as tango's other flavours. Well, Sebastian, all I can say is sorry, we've done all we can. We try to provide satisfaction for all tango drinkers, even if you're only visiting our great nation. Ah, it's not easy. My friend Jeff here has been working on BCT for three years. You're an exchange student, aren't you, Sebastian? All hair gel and fancy loafers. What are your credentials, Sebastian? What drives you? When did you last get up at four in the morning for something you believed in passionately? We don't need you, you hear? You're one dissenting voice in a billion, Johnny French, you're that! Yes, blackcurrant tango is a charge to the taste buds. Yes, it's spicy. Yes, it's got guts. But so have we, Sebastian. Look at us! He's more than mildly excited about his tango. (laughs) If they've got advertising like that, no wonder the price of tango is what it is. Vision, birthed in the heart, has a motivational force. God doesn't call us to try harder. God calls us to receive his spirit working in us that anointing, that vision, which is an internal combustion engine. It's something that drives from inside, not whipped up from the outside. I, I know that you may be a bit surprised because you have to look at my face, but I do get passionate. It just doesn't show. Let me give you a little bit of background. 
because I want, I want us to know the background, but to bring us to where we are at the present time. Because before we finish today, I want us to be receiving something that God has got for us. Many years ago, buried deep in the heart of a traditional, legalistic, successful Pentecostal church, God began to stir something deep in the hearts of people. One couple, then another couple, then another. They began to open their homes for meetings. But not just for meetings, for different things. Maybe Sunday tea, I remember that. quite like going to that one, because it was just me and a number of girls, and I wasn't married, of course, then. so that was, I got quite a lot of attention there. That was a long time ago. What that giggling feel? Phil's giggling here saying, no, nah, I can't believe that. <laughs> Maybe it was for accommodation. There was one family let me sleep on their, on their couch for a long, long time as I was working in that area. Maybe it was discussion or... or Argument. I reckon I learnt more of the scriptures through discussion and probably some amount of argument as well. It was something different. I mean, we're talking of a, of a church where you could potentially be involved in seven meetings on a Sunday as well as most nights of the week. The only time off was a Saturday, I guess... God was busy mowing the grass then. So people began to do something different. It was basically just enjoying being together, loving one another, serving one another. Now during this time I was engaged in a lot of outreach um, on the streets around Dagnum. But something was birthed in my heart that was more than I could see even in this successful church. It became the thing I was prepared to live or die for. It's a vision, a vision with passion that after all these years still stays, in fact, it's stronger than ever. We would reach out to people on the streets, drug people and fringe people. Take them to a home. Now we might take them to a meeting as well, but primarily we'd take them to a home where they were received with a level of, of warmth and love and honesty. We were concluding that it needed something more. Something was birthed in my heart which was more than I could see even in this church, meetings were not sufficient. This, if you like, was my hill country, the thing I was prepared to live or die for. I'll come back to that in a minute. Not long after that time, we started to do youth camps in the summer, renting private schools and having lots of young people come. It was fun. There was fellowship and interaction as well as teaching and worship. Here's the point. It wasn't just a meeting thing. It was a life thing. It was a 
coming together, loving and enjoying and worshipping. It was around this time that I also got introduced to kind of a, a new sound. Um, it was it was latterly called restoration. It was a restoration of uh, uh, ministry gifts, but it was particularly focused on the commandment of loving God is result, results in loving one another. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I've loved you. And that's, that seems a, a, big, a big hill to climb, except if something is imparted into our hearts for that purpose. And that's what God was doing. Seeing something different. It came a time when I had to withdraw from that traditional church, recognising oh, I was moving in a different direction. And around that time, lots and lots of things were happening. People were coming out of traditional churches. And what were they doing? There was this hunger birthed for something more than just meetings. It was about a lifestyle. It was about loving one another and living as though we did. We had fun. Served one another. Did things together. I mean, we did some crazy things. Um, I don't really have time to go into that now, but uh, Daniel put all that in a book. If you've not read that, you can always read that. Um, Blessed are those whose hearts set on pilgrimage. Serving one another became a key thing. Our heart was nevertheless quick to reach out to those who were outside of the kingdom, never heard the good news. And in fact, if you didn't look out, if you were a group that just became like a sort of holy huddle, just focused on yourself, do you know what happened? They shriveled up and died. There has to be vision. There has to be something that looks out and beyond ourselves. We have to have a purpose which is not just for our own satisfaction. In the goodness, in his goodness, God helped us to pursue what we might call outreach, friendship, evangelism. It formed the basis of where we are today. Vision of loving God expressed in loving one another and living as though we do. God joined us with various anointed ministries. But it's all pushing in this one direction. One friend introduced me to that book that many of you have read, Love, Acceptance, Forgiveness, which formed a measuring rod by which we measure how we're doing and where we're going. It exists today. It's not how many people are in a meeting. It's, is there genuine love, care, fellowship, relationship, enjoying, being together, serving together, and meeting needs as God gives us that opportunity. He thrust us out into different things, whether it was Lifeline Network, or the starting of things like LCP, Faith Action, later Community Resources. We sought to use these things to show God's love and care in reaching people to introduce them to the Gospel. You know, to be honest with you, I could never conceive departing from that vision, that vision of community, relationship, fellowship, sharing together. I think that's been a driving vision for me. Um, in fact, 
when I look back, probably 45 years ago. And you know what? Because it's a vision, because it's something imparted by God, we're here today looking to pursue that vision, looking to gain something more of a passion so that we're not pushing, but we're being, as it were, motivated from that love within. What a precious thing. What a powerful thing. So we look for an unfolding expressions. It's going to be different to what it was years ago. Um, but we, the expressions will change, but the principle stays. We're not following a list of things to do, but looking for that motivational reason of why that's deep within. The Bible tells us where there's no vision, the people perish. Just like those groups that I told you about, they weren't looking upwards, weren't looking outwards. They just shriveled up and died. Where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint, the perish. Therefore, it's critical that we keep coming back to the vision and ask that he renew and refresh our passion. And this is what we're going to be about today and further reveal our understanding of what he really wants and how he calls us to demonstrate his kingdom in this particular way and into the areas he wants us to go in coming days. I am a little bit excited about it. Not a lot. But it is something that God has placed in. It's a purpose. It's something to express his life and love according to his word. So that passion continues. We're talking about households together with Christ at the centre. I believe we're still talking about expressing love to each other. Love, acceptance and forgiveness is still the essence of what we're learning to do to each other. And we'll be doing, as we practice, households together. So today, the purpose of what we're sharing together at the moment, today, I want you to invite God to ask him to set or increase the passion for what he's called us to do, to love, accept, forgive, this new commandment to love one another as he loves us, and the power of God to do it. One of my favourite Bible characters was Caleb. I wanted to call my first son Caleb, but I met with a certain resistance from a higher authority. But nevertheless, Nathan very kindly pursued that. He had an enduring passion. Caleb, just to fill you in the story, if you don't know, he was among the generation of Israelites who God brought out of Egypt. He was one of the 12 spies that were sent into Canaan, the land God promised to give the Israelites. He was one of the two spies who argued in favour of taking the land, whilst the other 10, because of fear, brought back negative reports, which led to Israel 
sadly turning their backs on God's plan. God had to restart the project with the next generation. And Caleb, being one of the only two remaining Exodus survivors to enter the land, now having conquered most of Canaan, Caleb speaks to the leader, to Joshua, for the right to fight the battle. Let me just read you what he said. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 80, I'm reading about Caleb, not me, all right? <laughs> so here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country, we'll come back on that in a minute, that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anaclites were there. And their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Now let's unstack that a little bit. Hebron, or the hill country, one of the oldest continuously inhabited cities in the world. I mean, something that had been established uh, and was kind of impregnable over a period of time. Inhabited by Anakites, which basically equals giants. It was the presence of giants reported by the spies that Moses sent out that filled Israel with fear, leading to them rejecting God's direction and a whole generation had to die in the wilderness. See, the hill country was easier to defend. The cities were large. There were lots of inhabitants, lots of defenders, but also lots of space to enjoy once conquered. Fortified defences. Caleb probably wanted to have the hardest task to inspire the rest of the tribes of Israel to engage full-heartedly with their mission. He wanted to lead. He, he had something that was birth within him. The very enemy, which were too much for his peers, would be an encouragement for the next generation. Give me this vision. Increase this vision for this hill country. See, love, acceptance and forgiveness equals the hill country that we've been given. Love Let's take them just quickly. The willingness to lay down life to put someone else first. Acceptance, receiving someone because Jesus receives them, no matter your personal judgment of them. Forgiveness, releasing someone from your judgment. Take a moment, share with your neighbour what you've heard so far. You're allowed to speak to one another.
Okay, now let, let's recognize this world does not do love, acceptance, forgiveness. This is the heart of Jesus being released by the power of the Holy Spirit so that a people are raised up to show, not just by words, but by their living, by their life. The world doesn't do it. Love, acceptance, forgiveness. Look around. Is love, acceptance, forgiveness common practice in this world? No. We're talking about a love. But love in this world is where it suits me. It basically comes down to me, first, last and always. Acceptance, hmm, if you toe the line. It's more like tolerance. Forgiveness, no, I think in the world of cancel culture and fault-finding and blame. It's, in, it, 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 it's really clear the world doesn't do that. Have you noticed every time there is some incident or tragedy, the second line of it always comes in, so who was to blame? Who's at fault? It's a, it's a world we live in. And yet the world cries out for love, acceptance, forgiveness. And God has raised up peoples like ourselves to live in that way and demonstrate that. The world wants it, but they can't have it because they don't have what it takes to live it. Let's think about love. Sacrificial love is both shocking and praised. Alan Williams was a passenger aboard Air Florida Flight 90, which crashed on takeoff, hitting the bridge before crashing into the frozen Pontamac River in Washington. This is back in 1982. According to five of the survivors, this guy Williams continued to help the others reach the rescue ropes that were being dropped from the hovering helicopter, repeatedly passing the line, the rope, to others instead of himself. He drowned. Of course, he was recognised posthumously Awarded the United States Coast Guard's Gold Life Saving Medal, and uh, presented to his, was was presented to his family by then President Reagan. The bridge was renamed after him. Let's think about forgiveness. See, we've got to understand. There's a longing in the hearts of people, but there's a price which cannot be paid until our hearts have changed, and we represent. God's heart, by the power of his Holy Spirit. Forgiveness. 2006, a man named Charles Roberts walked into a one-room Amish schoolhouse. Amish is a, a, a religious group in a certain part of America. This was a clear Monday morning. This non-Amish person, Roberts, tied up ten little girls between the ages of six and 13 and shot them killing five, injuring the others before killing himself. Within hours of the shooting, this same community, the Amish community, had come around both the parents of that shooter who lived in that area and the wife and the three children of the shooter who also lived in the area. And they'd come to express sympathy and say, we want to be with you in the hard days ahead. 
When the shooter's funeral occurred, more than half the people who were there at the funeral were Amish people. An Amish spokesman said that all the family members who lost their children forgave the shooter and his family. In America, there was a huge amount of, dis of discussion. There always is. Because something about forgiveness is attracting, but something stronger about revenge seems to take over. So there's a huge amount of discussion. Everyone was shocked at the Amish ability to reconcile, to love, to reach out. And a lot of people wrote back then, this is what Americans are capable of. This is us at our best. Not quite so. A few years later, three sociologists wrote a book called Amish Grace. And in that book, they wrote that we should not think that our Western society is capable of producing this sort of forgiveness anymore. Forgiveness is an act of self-renunciation. It's an act of self-sacrifice for the good of others and the good of community. Forgiveness means I could pay back, but I'm not going to. It's an act of self-sacrifice. Love, acceptance, forgiveness produces community. The world loves the idea of community. Mark Sayers, a pastor in Australia, speaks about a lot of people that he's meeting that really like the idea of community but want, and want to benefit from it but aren't prepared to give the commitment or self-sacrifice which has caused it to happen. There's a price to pay. The Bible talks about laying down our life as he laid down his life for us. We lay down our life for one another. It's a denial of self in favour of taking up what God wants by the power of the Holy Spirit. Love, acceptance, forgiveness is possible. Indeed, inevitable. It's God's grand plan. It's not an idea that we came up with. His plan to fill the earth with his glory. His attributes on display. One day it will fill the earth. The Spirit is doing what he always does. The work of the Spirit is working through us. The Spirit has always been expressing love, acceptance and forgiveness. Through the life of Jesus Christ when he walked the earth. Now through the life of us as we walk the earth. What's the Bible say? Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's not like a, a weird, you know, sing a song and there's angels fluttering around our head. This is real life. This is showing what God is like. His love, his acceptance, his forgiveness. We cannot do that on our own. God brings us into community, into a group of people who have heard, received the gospel of Christ Jesus have submitted their life to him, the authority of their life, and by his power have been born again by the Spirit of God. They have the ability, and we include ourselves in this, the ability to do beyond the natural, the ability to love and accept and forgive. And he calls us to live that way. It's his grand plan. It's what he wants. And you know, we're inspired to collaborate by submitting to him.
If vision is birthed in our heart, it has a motivational force. Yes, guys, there's always the place to deny ourselves. Always the place to turn away from selfishness. But the ability to do it is what we receive with salvation. And we have no interest in condemning our other people worship God. What we're interested in is that we live out what God has brought us into, into this opportunity to express love, acceptance, forgiveness. This is what we're working towards at this present time, to take this to the next level. And as we submit to God, we'll be able to do that by his power. I'm inspired to collaborate by submitting to him. The vision, birthed in our heart, has that motivational force. As we surrender, we can work, he can work through us. Compulsion and collaboration. He sets a desire and gives me the ability. I choose to obey him, which is self-denial. So as we're walking, working towards households together with Christ in the centre, we have to walk in that renewed vision and passion for that vision, which will be the motivation. That's why I'm saying, let's today ask God for that. What would it look like when love, acceptance, forgiveness is happening in your life? Will you ask God to plant a seed of enduring passion for that vision, a motivation force, a great project from which we can't come down? We're going to take opportunity to respond and we're going to use a song. Lord, set a fire in my heart. You can sing it, but you know, you can use it as a response, as a response to what you're hearing this day and you hear with a ring of truth yes this is what God wants so that as we move forward we're moving forward with an internal motivation something that is fresh and refreshed to love and to accept and forgive God gives us if it was just kind of pulling ourselves up by our bootlaces that would just be hard work but this is something that God wants to put and to increase in our hearts so that we can... Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at lifelineuk. Work out fully what he's got for us in these coming days.